0: Today we've got a great malicious compliance story all about electricity and safety. We'll get into that in a bit but first, you want more details? You got it! This wasn't me directly but a colleague and a close friend. Many years ago we both worked in IT at a company. We were in the design team. We would handle future architecture, design and major upgrades for the systems. My friend Doug was working on the phone system upgrade. This was a major version upgrade for the phone management system. We had a change control process in place that involved writing up a brief about the change which was distributed to the respective heads of affected areas who would approve it to go to change control board. Once at change control board, the same people would ask questions and then either approve or deny the change. The manager for the operations team, Richard, did not like myself or Doug. Decided we were a threat to him despite us not caring about trying to get up the ranks there. We just wanted to do the job we enjoyed. Richard had made it his prerogative to do whatever he could to make us look bad. Now, for this change, Richard had done a similar change a few years prior. So, Doug used Richard's original change request as a template to copy off. Richard, being the butt-hat that he is, sent an email to all involved in the change board, including the branch head, saying the change request was lacking information and recommended everyone reject the change until greater details are provided. Cue malicious compliance, Doug was not only a very efficient and effective worker, but a brilliant wordsmith and wrote top-tier technical documents. As the CCB would only sit once a fortnight, and he now had to wait two more weeks to submit he had plenty of time to provide details what is meant to be a simple one page overview of the change was turned into a 120 page document with every single aspect of the change covered in excruciating detail next ccb comes around and doug fronts the ccb for questions richard thought he would be smart and ask technical questions to try to sound smart every single one was met with doug tapping the printed version of the change request he brought with them Richard never tried that stunt with us again after that. His hatred for us eventually led to him getting demoted by his own actions, but that's a story for another day. Honestly, I would have loved to have more pointing out that it was based off of something that he had originated. Honestly, I thought the whole thing was actually going to go in that direction. That said though, it's very nice to just embarrass this guy and show to all of those people there that he clearly paid no attention or did any pre-work. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our next story is... Take notes of everything you say in the meeting? Okay, but it'll get you fired. So this happened a few years ago, and I'll be vague since I'm still not sure if the dust is fully settled from this fiasco yet. At my former company, I was the secretary for a small improvement team that would meet monthly to discuss issues within the company and brainstorm ways to fix them. Something you need to know about me is that I was given this role because people know I'm meticulous at keeping records due to HR-related issues I had at a previous place of employment. I don't think my boss realized that this careful record-keeping applied to her as well, especially when she appointed me to be secretary of this little committee, but I digress. I was a model employee, read award-winning, and went above and beyond what was asked, as were many others in my department, but we were still having customer complaints and dealt with regular safety issues due to the company at large and through no fault of our own. When we brought these concerns to our boss's attention, emails were left unread, and during in-person exchanges we were called whiny, needy, and were told that we needed to just deal with it. Whatever the issue, from items being stolen by customers, to people being unhappy with the procedures the boss had set down for us to follow, it was always made to somehow be our fault. When we sought support from other departments, we were met with cold. you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host indifference since the boss was great to them and we must be exaggerating the things she said to us well during an improvement meeting at the end of the fiscal year it all came to a head Myself and a couple of my team members dug our heels in and were insistent about the unresolved issues the boss refused to acknowledge. And she finally went off on us. She told us everyone was incompetent, didn't deserve our jobs, and that maybe customers would like us more if we were more likable. When people pressed her on safety issues, she continued to reiterate that we would just have to deal with it and that if someone was going to die, they already would have, right? I as the secretary did my duty and took notes of all that happened over the course of that meeting. I usually did bullet points but that night I was feeling a little more thorough so I wrote down words. Every word that was said, every hateful comment, denial of accountability and idle threat was recorded in black and white. Now a second part of my job was to distribute the notes from the improvement meeting to the rest of the company. So, come the next morning, I ran about a hundred copies of the transcript of the meeting and hand-delivered them to every single department in the building, and things blew up. People from other departments who had attended the meeting were able to verify that everything I had typed up had really been said, and folks were mad, threatening to quit, refusing to do their normal duties, browsing Indeed during work, etc., My boss's boss, who worked at HQ so I didn't get the opportunity to hand her a copy, got wind of these meeting minutes only a few hours after I'd handed them out and had an hour-long, off-the-record conversation with me about all the safety issues I had documented, all of the concerns I had submitted to management in writing, and all the records I had regarding my boss's inaction. She was very grateful for the 100 pages of documentation I sent over and thanked me for my time. The day after I unleashed Pandora's box, I put in my two weeks notice, took a new job, and peaced out to greener pastures. At first, it seemed like things were calming down after I left, but the following year, the company did not renew my boss's contract. I still feel a bit bad because I wasn't trying to get her fired or ruin her life. I was just desperate for some accountability thrown her way to create some positive change in the company. But at the end of the day, I just did what she asked me to do. I don't think OP should feel too bad about it personally because, let's be real, somebody like that kind of had it coming. In a way I feel like if OP is feeling bad for this and personally allows themselves to feel bad for this, they're kind of punishing themselves for all of the awful things this person did, which is not fair. Our next story is, go to the warehouse for lunch. I'm a career garage door repair man. About a decade ago I was working for a particularly cheap owner. He felt that the installers and i were robbing him with the amount of hours we were working this owner decided that the guys were taking longer lunch breaks than reported and clocking in earlier than he was willing to pay for his solution was not the brightest you had to clock in on time and you had to drive from wherever you were working back to the warehouse for your hour lunch we always started working about half an hour before clocking in loading our trucks and organizing our days we immediately stopped doing that our usual 45-minute lunch break, we never took the full hour, now could take up to three hours depending on drive time. Overtime went from roughly two hours a person per week to almost eight. This lasted exactly One pay period. We all try to tell them, but some people just don't understand until they see it. Sometimes some people just don't see the car crash coming until it happens, and frankly all you really can do is just get out of the way and let them experience it. Our next story is, I have to eat that? Okay. When I was a kid, I did a sleepover with my best friend. We had dinner at the table. I was in the best seat against the windows hemmed in by parents at either end. Back then, I hated onions and they hated me. Unfortunately, we were served some kind of onion soup. The steak, potato, and green beans were disappearing, but the mom noticed the onion snub. You don't like the soup? I said, nope, sorry. But it's good, you haven't tried it. Okay. They said, just a few bites. Little did they know, I was pretty abused at home and learned to obey every order. I spooned some onion goo in quickly so as not to taste it. Vomit boiled up my throat. Must be polite. Don't drench the table. Edit. I vomited out of hatred for onions, not involuntary. I was a quietly defiant child and no wonder. I clenched my teeth and looked for a way out. Crawling was impolite and besides, if I bent over, I'd spew. The dad was obliviously shoveling, blocking the quickest route out. I stood practically in his armpit waiting for him to realize I needed him to get up so I can barf. The mom finally said, uh, Stan, I think she needs to get by. He moved, I streaked to the toilet. Their bathroom was close to the table. They surely heard me. That nice dinner on a formal table setting? To the soothing sounds of me upchucking everything I'd eaten since Tuesday. I hope I didn't spatter much but I was too young to notice or clean up very well. When I came back my soup bowl was gone. They let me choose where and what I ate after that. You know if you're feeding a kid or like anyone and you don't really know what they like or don't like. Probably pretty important not to try to force foods on them that they haven't necessarily said they're okay with. Although I feel like me saying that is also just kind of like common sense. Our next story is, won't pay out my PTO? Well, can I take PTO and work? At my last job, I'd given them notice, and I'd assumed they'd cut me a check for the 55 hours of PTO I had left over. But no, they said I would lose it if I don't use it. So I went ahead and used my PTO for the last 55 hours I was scheduled to work, because I wasn't about to waste that. But then I remembered a time a few weeks back. I had taken PTO, but then I'd worked about 30 minutes into my PTO. I ended up earning time and a half, as with my PTO plus 30 minutes of extra work. I enjoyed my coworkers. I wouldn't be working. So I sent an email to my manager. Hey Mark, I know we're a bit understaffed and I know I took PTO already, but I wouldn't mind working anyway. Is that okay to work? Mark responds, yes, we'd be happy to have you. My hourly rate was $25 at that point. Time and a half puts me at $37.50, which I was fine with earning. So, come my second hour of Thursday, I'll be earning time and a half. So I worked, had fun. Come Monday after my last day, my old boss calls me and says, Did you work 135 hours last pay period? I say no, I worked 80 hours and I used 55 hours of PTO. "'Cause, like, your overtime pay put us over budget.' I said, "'Yeah, that sucks.' "'You did say I was good to work "'despite the fact that I had scheduled PTO, right?' He said, "'Um, I did.' I said, "'Yeah, thanks.' He starts laughing. "'Yes, I got paid.' "'Company now pays out PTO when you quit cause of me.' "'In the end, they paid me $2,062 in overtime pay, "'plus the 80 hours I worked earned me $2,000.' So, typically, 80 hours of work would cost them $2,000, but because they wouldn't pay me out my PTO, they ended up paying double when they could have just cut me a check for $1,375 and saved $700. Essentially, in their effort to rip me off my benefit, I made them pay $700 for their greed. I made sure to get permission to come to work, despite the fact that I'd already scheduled my PTO. FYI, previously in another interaction, I was told once PTO was approved, It can't be cancelled hey i mean this is the way to do it if you're not going to be working anyways and you're not the kind of person to just lounge around for a while while you collect that free pto then shoot it is mighty lucrative to double dip here our next story is make your electrical installation safe i'd stand to be corrected by any proper sparks but having had to attend a couple of basic electrical safety courses with two different employers I was left with the impression that legally the last person to have worked on an installation was in the legal crosshairs for any injuries caused by it if it were unsafe this is important for my decision making i worked as a field tech for a cellular operator and one of our by-the-by jobs was inspecting newly installed sites to make sure they complied with the company's rules and legal for this we had a tick sheet of things to check think of it as an mot but for a radio site i turned up at this one site and straight away it was obvious that the earthing was missing. Basically, all the electrical earths needed to be bonded, then the metalwork of the site, the feeder, and the aerial tower had to be bonded back to them too. I called the control center, said cannot work on the site, nothing is earthed and it is potentially hazardous. After a bit of argy-bargy, I was instructed to turn off the incoming main supply and carry out the inspection, noting the problems. Okay, I'll do as you ask. So, power off, and now there's no service for the area. I worked through my checklist, noted the problems, including the lack of earthing. Packed up, left site, and down the road, called in to say finished. At which point they tell me something's wrong, the site is still down. Yeah, I know, it's powered off as instructed. Told I need to turn it on, and this is where I quoted the info I'd been given. The last person to work on an installation is responsible, and since it's unsafe and beyond me to correct, it is staying off. This was, of course, partly bloody-mindedness, partly covering my own back, and mostly I knew that with the site down and losing money, they'd make the ready contractors come back and correct their mess-up. Hey, if I got to a site like that and I found out nothing was earthed, I'd be wanting to shut it down and I would not be liable to go back out there and turn it on myself either. You're not gonna put that liability or safety issue on me. Our next story is, it's not rude? Okay, I'll say it too then. This story is old, I must have been 7 or 8 at the time. When I was little, if I broke a rule or made a mistake and said, I didn't know, my mom would say, well now you know, in a very condescending, obnoxious tone of voice. I eventually got annoyed with this and fed up and told her that she was being rude and she said it wasn't rude. Well long story short, anytime she said she didn't know about something after that, I would tell her, well now you know, in the same tone of voice. Eventually she got fed up with this too, and we both agreed to not say it anymore. Greatest triumph of my childhood. We get along great now. I was just a stubborn kid. I'm glad OP had that clarifier at the end there. This isn't like some overly staunch parent that's trying to force their ways or anything. It's just a cutesy memory to look back on, and what was a great learning tool for really both sides.